Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. If you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 3. We're really going to jump right into it. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to say in the next 19 minutes and 4 seconds, but uh, I have felt such a... <clears throat> Honestly, just to wait, if you will, on today's service. There's just some some things I feel like the Lord wanted to do. The first service was was pretty pretty rad and uh, kind of got off script, and so I don't really know what how much how many of my notes we'll get to. Uh, I, I'm gonna sp- spoil you. I'm gonna give a spoiler alert here. Uh, I, I just want to be very clear some of my intentions today. I think over the years <clears throat> in ministry. Uh, I have found myself personally becoming more and more comfortable in my own skin, in my own calling, in my own assignment. And, and it's, it's, it's been an, an interesting journey where I'm starting to realize some of the things actually God's called me to. I will say this but before we go any further on that. I think every great leader starts as a great follower. And I, and I think to the degree you're successful in your following, that will be the degree you're successful in your leading. Uh, there's still there's, there's some things that I, I love our current generation that have such tenacity to own something and start their own thing and pioneer. But to all you young pioneers out there, can I just say, don't bypass passing the test of faithfulness with another man's vision. Uh, I think that is very, very important, and I think over the years, that's honestly how I got started in ministry. I just followed great men and honored great men and served great men and ministered like great men did before, and I think that's sometimes how ministry starts. You imitate, just like you do as your children do you. You imitate your fathers, your spiritual fathers, until one day you grow up and kind of start to find your own voice, and uh, again, over the years, that's increasingly happening more and more with me where I'm like, okay, I've followed some incredible men, but there's some things I think that may be unique to me, things I'm supposed to do that I'm actually now called to be faithful with and steward well in my own life. And one of those things is simply this. I know I'm called to challenge people. Uh, I, I can be very, very challenging. You think you may want to be my friend. Just know this. The more friend, more closer we are as friends, the more I will challenge you. And so you may not want to be my friend. Um, but I, I've learned that about myself, and I've, I've had prophetic words over the years that this is what you're going to call to do. You're going to challenge people. You're going to offend people, and they're going to leave your life. Amen. It's fantastic, uh, <laughs> but it is. It's it's been it's been interesting watching. Just again, myself find, finding myself comfortable in my own skin. But today, one of the things I just feel this weight on is just challenging, especially here on Father's Day, challenging us to not just be the church, but to step into our callings and assignments in advancing the kingdom. That's something that's very, very passionate about. I understand that there's this weight on this church. There's this weight even on this season where just being Christians isn't good enough. Just coming to church isn't good enough. And I'll even say this for me, mobilizing a staff is not my assignment. Mobilizing the 19, 20, 20, whatever people are on our staff, mobilizing them is not my assignment. My my assignment is to help mobilize a body. And every single person in this room has a, has a, place, has a, has a place in that and has a part to play. And so uh, I have a lot of fervor to, to, to call us up, to, to come up, to think up, to grow up into all things in Christ Jesus. And so that's kind of what today's message is about. And I want to take a look at a couple things. One, Jesus' ministry. You've you got to remind yourself sometimes that Jesus walked the same journey we're walking today. 
he did he didn't he he wasn't walking on this earth in his position of deity in his godness if you will he walked as a man and so much of what he did even stepping into the assignment on his life even stepping into his ministry he was he was creating a model if you will of what we're supposed to do how we're supposed to walk into and step into our own ministries you see the same thing in the life of the disciples and so I want to talk about that a little bit today starting in Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 so then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. I love that he says this to John. He says, hang on, I need you to baptize me. This is our assignment. Even Jesus was including John in their, it wasn't just Jesus' assignment to fulfill all righteousness. He says, this is our assignment to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed it. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending. This is very important. Descending like a dove and alighting where? Up on. Turn to your neighbor and say up on. The dove, like a dove and alighting up on him and suddenly a voice from the heaven came saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, this is a type and shadow of, of our um, baptism, if you will, into salvation. Jesus goes down into the water. He comes up out of the water. That is a picture of salvation. When you were born again, that's what happened to you. The old man was under water. You came out a completely different person. And just a little more theology on that. When you were born again, God took your spirit, your lowercase s spirit, and made it perfect so he could join his uppercase spirit with your lowercase spirit in this incredible union inside you. I don't know how it happens. It's just what the Bible says. Sometimes you just believe it. And so you are now joined with the person of the Holy Spirit. But you see something interesting is there's a secondary thing that Jesus is demonstrating here. It's not the Holy Spirit within you, which happens at, at, at salvation. It says after he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit did not come within. Where did the Holy Spirit come? Up on. The Holy Spirit upon. So you see two things happen. Jesus going through two different situations here. Then if you continue to read Matthew chapter, the end of Matthew chapter three, Matthew chapter four, Jesus was led by the, the spirit of God into the wilderness. He goes through this tempting phase, uh, if you will. Uh, Jesus, he was fasting for 40 days and nights. The enemy came at him when he was at his weakest point. Just a little, little nugget here. Jesus will always come at you, at, or, or sorry, the devil will always come at you at your weakest point. And here's what he's going to try to do. If you read the scriptures, he tried to give Jesus something Jesus would eventually get already. He just tried to get him to shortcut the process. The enemy always wants you to shortcut the process. He wants to get you focused on the promise and say, don't go through the promise or don't go through the process. Just go after the promise. Can I just say this? If you don't go through the process, you won't be ready for the promise. If you don't go through the process, you won't be able to keep the promise. It'd be one thing to get a hold of something. It's just like people that fall into great wealth without the, the ability to steward it. They may have it in their hands at one point, but eventually it will be gone. You don't want to thwart the, the promise of God in your life, staying in your life by shortcutting the processes that God puts in your, in your path. That's just a little freebie. There's a little freebie there. Um, the devil comes and tempts Jesus. Jesus does something actually really interesting. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 in the first few verses, it says he actually moved. He picked up shop and moved to Capernaum and, and into this region because he was fulfilling the prophets. 
Something's very interesting. I don't know if we'll get into this much. We did more in the first service, but we are not just called to live by the word of God. We're actually called to live by the prophets of God. Do y'all know that? Jesus said this. Jesus said, I did not come just to fulfill the law, or, or I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. Sometimes we focus on the fact that Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus, also as a man, showing us what we should be doing, he didn't just fulfill the, the, the law, he fulfilled the prophets. Second Chronicles 20, 20 says this, believe the prophets, so shall you prosper. Some of you, if you don't have a prophetic word in your life, you need to start believing God that God is, first of all, and this is the kind of church we are, we believe that God is still speaking. We believe that God is still speaking. He's still using imperfect people to get across a perfect message. You can tell you how I know that? Look at your husband. God's called the men in this room, the husbands in this room, to be the leaders of the home. Guess what? We're not perfect. We're not perfect, but it doesn't change the mandate. It doesn't change the assignment. Same thing in ministry. God's still using imperfect people to get across a perfect message. And part of the job of you and I is to respond in faith to the God in people, not the people in people. It can get really twisted and get really weird sometimes. Like, well, I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to follow a man. Well, Paul, the apostle Paul, said, "Follow me, as I follow Christ." There are people worth following. There are great men worth following. There are great spiritual leaders worth following. The bigger responsibility comes when those great leaders, those great men, actually act like real, just normal men, and then you'll have the opportunity to I expose their weakness and be cursed or cover their weakness and be blessed. The great Noah, the great Noah himself, after the ark, after the whole situation, found himself in a situation where he had uh, a little too much to drink. And Noah's naked, and Noah passes out. Just another spiritual leader. You ought to know about this story, did you? Noah's drunk, Noah gets naked, two sons, respond two completely different ways. Actually, there's three sons, but two respond one way, one responds the other. Two sons feel the need to cover their dad. And they walked in backwards and chose not to even look at him in his weak state. And they covered their father. And those two sons, every part of their lineage was blessed. Their inheritance was blessed. One son, however, decided to elevate the weakness of their father instead of cover the weakness of their father. And he was cursed. There's a principle in there. God's, God will use men, but they're still just men. And I'll just say this today. God is still using prophets today to get across his message. And sometimes we can't see through the $3,000 suits. We're like, oh, no, God couldn't possibly want him to wear that. Or he couldn't possibly want him to have an airplane. God couldn't possibly want him to have a house that big. And we have all these assumptions that we know what God wants for them. And because we know so much, we ignore the message. I'm going to leave that right there. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus has already gone through this situation, kind of a symbolic thing of the, the salvation for us, the Holy Spirit coming upon, upon him. And then he says this. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, which doesn't mean shame, shame, shame on you. Repent means change the way you think. He says, change the way you think, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The message Jesus came to preach was the message of the kingdom, not the message of the church. 
our, our theology, our understanding of what God's doing on this planet is going to have to get bigger than the church. Jesus didn't come preaching the, the gospel of the church. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You go on and read in Acts chapter 1, uh, just to kind of tr- speed this thing up a little bit. This is Paul speaking in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about what? The kingdom of God. So Jesus comes back after he, was, he died, buried, raised from the dead. For the next 40 days, he actually made cameo appearances to all the apostles. Sometimes he showed up to all of them. Sometimes he'd show up to, to smaller groups. But he, he, he made these appearances. You've got to understand something. They had seen Jesus walk on water. They had seen Jesus calm the storm. They had seen Jesus cleanse the lepers. They had seen Jesus do all these mighty miracles. But at some point, he's going to have to naturally prove to them, if you, all this time you said you're going to die and be raised from the dead, you're going to have to show me. So Jesus comes back to prove to them, hey, I told you this was going to happen. I'm here. I'm alive. I am the risen Messiah. So he's, he's validating so much of his ministry. But then according to Paul, he says he needed to give them further instructions. I would go so far as to say if Jesus came back to revisit to give further instructions, these are important instructions. This is very, very important. He's saying don't miss this. We may have talked about this before, but I'm giving you further instructions. And what are the further instructions he, said, he gave them? He says he talked to them about the kingdom. Then he goes on. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the promised gift. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in, a few, in just a few days, you will be baptized what? with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, look, he comes back and says, hey, I know we probably talked about this before, but I'm going to give you some further instructions. I want to make sure you don't miss this. Our message is the kingdom of God. Our message is bigger than just the, the, the church. It's the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And oh, by the way, don't even think you're going to have any success in the kingdom until, until the Holy Spirit himself comes. Do not leave until you get the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, before he's released into his ministry, has to go through a, a baptism, if you will, where he's baptized, saved, and then the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Before he releases his apostles to preach the gospel, to do this great assignment that we all have, he says, oh, I need to remind you, it's about the kingdom. Oh, and by the way, don't leave until you have the Holy Spirit. If Jesus' message was the kingdom and he couldn't do it without the Holy Spirit, if the apostles' message was the kingdom and they couldn't do it without the Holy Spirit, I propose to you that our message is the kingdom and we cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to touch a little bit on the kingdom and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to breeze through some things about the kingdom, just some things I want you to understand. I've alluded to this, but I want to make a couple of points here. You've probably heard me say this before. All of the church is in the kingdom, but not all of the kingdom is in the church. In other words, everything you see happening here today, this is kingdom. This is the advancing of the kingdom. But if if what's happening in here is the only advancing of the kingdom that ever happens, we're missing a lot. We're missing a lot. Uh, I want to read a clip to you, uh, or, or read a little excerpt from a, a website. I encourage you to go onto this website. It's, it's literally simply generals.org. Uh, and there are some, there's some incredible 
stuff in there. I was turned on to some of this a long, long time ago. Recently got fired up about it again when I read a book uh, called Invading Babylon by Bill Johnson and Lance Wallnow. And it just really got me turned on to this thing. And this, I want to read to you this clip or this, this first paragraph where these two guys get together. Both guys uh, had separate dreams about the exact same thing where God revealed the exact same thing to this, these, two, these two guys. They, we call it now, or they call it now, the seven mountain mandate. Raise your hand if you've ever heard anything about the seven mountains, the seven mountain mandate. Good. We all need to know about this. Let me just read this first paragraph. It says, in 1975, Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade, and Lauren Cunningham, founder of Youth with a Mission, YWAM, developed a God-given, world-changing strategy. Their mandate, bring godly change to a nation by reaching its seven spheres or mountains of societal influence. They concluded, and before I go on, please understand, these, there's a lot in there. You'd have to just do a lot of digging on your own. They didn't just show up one day and say, hey, let's just come up with a strategy on how to do this. No, they were sharing notes about a prophetic dream that they had both been given, and the dreams were identical. So this was not a man-breathed plan. This was a God-breathed plan. All they were trying to do is say, okay, God's given us something. How do we steward this well? goes on to say, they concluded that in order to truly transform any nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, these seven facts of society must be reached. I'm sorry, these seven facets of society must be reached. Religion, family, education, government, media, arts and entertainment, and business. The only way I know to say this is there should be a whole lot more kingdom happening than just in the church. There, we've talked a lot about family lately. There should be a whole lot more kingdom happening in government, in education. Or maybe I should say it this way. I think the Holy Spirit has kind of redirected me. You need to understand that some of you that don't have a role in the church or maybe a, even a limited role in some ways in the family, it doesn't mean that just because you're a teacher, you don't have a role in the kingdom. Just because you're in politics, you don't have a role in the kingdom. Just because you're in arts and entertainment doesn't mean you have a, don't have a role in the kingdom. I got super convicted, to be quite honest with you, uh, about a, a certain pastor who uh, I, used to, I used to follow a lot, talk about a lot. And uh, in, in the last couple of years, I have been drawn to some other things. The Lord's been showing me some, through some other men. Uh, some new stuff and just been learning from a different place, which is okay. Except for the fact that I kind of started getting this bit of an attitude. I didn't realize how it surfed a little bit of this attitude started showing up when I watched a, a clip that he had recently done. And in this clip, they were asking him some very pointed questions. And mind you, this is a guy who has great influence in the media and in the arts and entertainment area. And so uh, they were asking him these questions, and he was giving the most political answer I have ever heard. It was, looking back now, it's like he was a genius, but he didn't kind of really answer their question when in all reality, the, the question was kind of designed to trap him up. I kind of copped a bit of an attitude, and I was like, man, I don't know why he doesn't just say this. I don't know why he doesn't just say this. And I found myself in a moment getting into to, to judgment with this guy. And here lately, the Lord's kind of got my heart, got my attention. Got, I had to repent. Let's just call it what it is. Repent and go, yeah, I messed up. I was wrong. He was right. Because I'm realizing God's called him into an, into an area that he has not called me. If they'd asked me that question, it would have been the last time I was on the news. Actually, I might have been on the news a lot after that, now that I think about it. But he had this wisdom. He had this grace to do something that in, an, in a sphere, in a mountain that I don't have a grace for. And the Lord was just reminding me. He's like, hey, leave his mountain alone. In fact, why don't you just pray for him in his mountain? 
Maybe I've graced him on him and his mountain. And I'll tell you what ain't helping is your tongue and your mouth on his mountain. <laughs> Can we just be honest? Can pastors repent for talking trash? I mean, is that okay if your pastor does that for talking trash? I was talking trash. There's just a lot more kingdom going on than just in the church and just in the family. And we have to embrace this idea that there's, there's, there should be a lot of activity. We, this is a training ground for what should be happening outside the four walls of this church. There's reasons why we do little things. This is honest to God's truth. There's reasons why in, during our ministry time, it's not all about uh, when someone's got a word of knowledge, you can ask all, all the pastors, they'll nod their head because we've literally I've trained them this way. We've talked about this. Hey, don't do all the praying yourself. We got to learn how to pray as a family. So in other words, it's, and you've seen this, and I'm not criticizing, but you've seen this where it's all about the man of God. And if he doesn't pray for him, in other words, we, when we get a word of knowledge or want to pray for something, we don't go, oh, come to the front, you know, and we lay hands on him or we, we make a sound and, and it, or swing our jacket at him or whatever it is that people do. All of which work. I'm, not, I'm just saying, I'm just trying to be lighthearted here. But my point is why? If we're not here to perform, we're here to train. And if it's all me talking and me praying and them talking and them praying, it's a performance that you watch, not a training that you practice. Why? If you can't pray for someone in this safe environment, you're not going to pray for someone out there. If you can't, if the Lord can't give you a word in this safe environment where we all are here for the same reason, believe in the same way, and the Lord can't give you a word to say, hey, go tell this person this. If you can't do that there, I promise you, you're not going to do it at the Sonic drive-thru. And say, hey, see the brother over there with the, the, the foot-long coney? Go tell him this. Uh-uh. Oh, man, how good does this foot-long coney sound right now? I'm sorry. I just got so distracted. Jesus. This is a training ground. The church isn't the final destination. It's the training ground for multiple other mountains. That if we're actually going to see thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Notice it doesn't say in church as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in arts and entertainment, in government, in politics, in media. Thy will be done in those areas, in all the earth as it is in heaven. We just, our assignments just got a little bit, get a bit bigger. Our, our thing has got to get a little bit bigger. Now, I got I to gotta move on because they're flashing the screen at me. Um, I want to I address this thing about the Holy Spirit coming upon. The Holy Spirit coming upon. I want to read to you in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Finding some disciples. Can we all agree that when, we're, when Paul's saying he found some disciples, Jesus has died Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus has ascended to heaven. They are, they are now living in the dispensation of grace where disciples means followers of Jesus, believers in Jesus. Can we agree to that? So Paul strolls into town and he found some Christians. He found some believers. He found some disciples and he asked this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? How many of you guys believe Paul's probably a pretty smart guy? He understands how this thing works. Would a, would a smart guy, would the Apostle Paul himself, if everything about the Holy Spirit we needed, we got when we were born again, would he ask a Christian, hey, by the way, 
since you became a Christian, have you also received the Holy Spirit? You wouldn't have to ask that, right? If you got it all then, hey, we're good. We, we got it. The Holy Spirit's in us. No, he says, no, there's, there's something else here. And notice their response. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? And they said to him, we don't have a clue what you're talking about. We have not so much as heard whether there even is a Holy Spirit. Can I just say this? The enemy's been after this since right here. Right here. He's already trying to get people to minimize the Holy Spirit upon and just keep them focused on the Holy Spirit within. Because here's the point. The Holy Spirit within you gets you to heaven. The Holy Spirit upon you gets other people to heaven through you. It brings heaven to earth. So here, and here's the thing. If you've already got the Holy Spirit within you, the enemy's like, I already lost that battle. But if I, if I can keep them from receiving the Holy Spirit upon them, then they won't use the Holy Spirit upon them to get the Holy Spirit within some other folks. They said, man, we, don't, we didn't know there was even a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, and what you were baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had, so they, they, they kind of go through this process again. They're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on him, on them, Notice something that happens. The Holy Spirit came where? Up on. Turn to your neighbor. Say, up on. Turn to your other neighbor, the one you really didn't want to talk to in the first place, and say, up on. The Holy Spirit came up on. Christians, disciples, followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit came up on them after they had given their lives to Jesus. And they spoke in tongues. <gasps> and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. If the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit in, in tons of different ways, and there's multiple lists of even gifts of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 12, there's redemptive gifts. Uh, if you study that out, it's a it's it's a it's the character. It's the it's a Holy Spirit breathed character DNA of God that God puts in you from birth. You were born with this thing. It's it's the thing that you were called to represent Him with. Uh, gives you an amazing energy. It's the I say it this way. It's the thing in you that's perfectly God, but uniquely you. Those are the redemptive gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's seven of them, but there's also nine manifestational gifts of the Spirit. In other words, there's, there's, there's ways that the Holy Spirit himself manifests in your life to other people. You see it in first, 2 Corinthians 12. I'll just read them. Some of these you know. Some of you, these you've seen. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. It's all that crazy stuff. But this is, this is the Bible. I, I didn't write it. I just read it. I, I just have to take it for what it is. And, and, and what's going on here is, is, is Jesus went through this, this situation where the Holy Spirit came upon him. The disciples went through this situation where the Holy Spirit came upon them. We read more that Paul went to other disciples and said, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit upon you since you got saved? So there's this thing that says, hey, there's a chance you got the Holy Spirit within. You just never got the Holy Spirit upon there may be some things that God's called you to walk in and you're sitting in this room going, you know, just like these guys, disciples in the Bible, I didn't know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. I alluded to this earlier. 
words of wisdom, words of knowledge, all these things, these, these gifts of the Spirit, they're not called the gifts of the ministers. Gifts that ministers have, pastors have, people that, that stand on stages have. No, it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and you have access to the Holy Spirit. I'll take it a step further. You have a responsibility to engage the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus told the disciples. It was not a suggestion. It was a command. Do not leave Jerusalem till you get him. And as crazy as it sounds, I'm acting like Keith now, telling everybody what to do. <laughs> you ever notice that? He just tells people what to do. He's like, hold your hands up. Raise your hands. Like, yes, sir. Bow your head. Yes, sir. Sorry. Sorry, Keith. But in the same way that Jesus pleaded with the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until you get this until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm asking you today, do not leave here today without this. There may be a reason you're ineffective in your ministry. There may be a reason you seem to be not winning in areas where you should be winning. There may be access, there is access to some power that keeps you ahead and not behind. The head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And I propose it's the Holy Spirit, not within, but the Holy Spirit upon. Amen? If you would stand to your feet. We're going to wrap this thing up, but I want to read the simplest of all scriptures. The simplest of all scriptures. I read this fairly often. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says this. It's very simple. It says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It only makes sense if the way you received God, Jesus, was that you asked. The way you received the Holy, God, Holy Spirit, is that you ask. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that 